It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we're going to practice rolling our R's. Wagner. I think, I, think, I think that's how you say it in Flemish. Franz Wagner leads Germany to a win in a friendly before as they kick off their uh, prep for Eurobasket and FIBA World Cup qualifying. Plus, the five opponents we're already looking forward to facing this Orlando Magic season. It's time for another edition of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed locked on magic. Today is August 10th or August 11th. I'm recording this on August 10th. Uh, you'll probably be listening to this on August 11th, 2022. My name is Philip Rossmanreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, Franz Wagner makes his debut for the German national team, has a really good performance, does exactly like what we always expect him to do, and played really, really well, uh, and and and, and kind of quietly, and made us all want him to do more. Um, we'll talk about that game, what to expect from Franz as Germany picks up its play. We'll also briefly touch on Mo Wagner, uh, and then kind of building off what we kind of learned and saw over the weekend. We will talk about the five opponents that we're excited to see the Orlando Magic play this coming season because eventually we will get a schedule. Before we do any of that, though, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. No matter when you listen to us, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's right when we upload, we truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Locked On podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. So obviously we're, we're we're sort of in the basketball desert right now. Um, I love these pro ams; they're fantastic. They're a lot of fun. It's kind of kickback, layback, no defense, all good. Um, it, it gives us something to talk about. But we've got a full month and a half before training camp begins. Training camp is set to start for the Orlando Magic on September twenty seventh, um, August. All the free agents are signed. There is nothing going on. We're going to talk Magic history on, on our next episode, on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. Um, so we do have plans here on the show to kind of fill the time and, 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 and something to get us through it. But this is the dead part of the season. Unless you're a big fan of international basketball like I am. This is a good year because we do get Eurobasket. Eurobasket is the continental championship uh, for all the teams in Europe. One of the most fun basketball tournaments. Uh, if you've never watched a Eurobasket tournament, this is the year to do so because it's going to be a lot of fun. Giannis is playing for Greece. Luca is playing for Slovenia. Uh, Spain's always very good. Rudy Gobert is playing for France. I believe Evan Fournier is also playing for France. And for the Orlando Magic, Franz Wagner is playing for Germany, making his debut for the German national team. He actually doesn't even have a huge 
history on the youth teams for Germany either. Um, so this is a real big step for him. It's, it's, it's just proof positive of the steps that he's taken as a player and how much he's improved that his national team sees him as such a critical player and someone that they're going to insert immediately into their starting lineup. That was certainly the case in Wednesday's game uh, with Belgium, the first big warm-up for Germany. And, uh, you know, if you were able to catch the live stream, it was streamed on a Belgian uh, sports website, sportsa.be. If you're able to watch it, uh, you saw a game that was frankly very, very rough. Um, It did indeed look like a first preseason game. Uh, And and Germany, I think, is still kind of figuring out their roles and and what they're going to do. And and I think it's going to be really, really important to note as we evaluate Franz Wagner uh, that he's playing a role on a team. Um, You may look at that roster and say, Franz Wagner is the best player. They should use him this way. That's not the reality of how things work on these international teams, especially with young players. They have to earn their way in. The good news is Franz Wagner is very good at fitting in. Franz Wagner is a player that makes everyone better and just leaves you wanting more at every single turn. I would say this, just looking at Germany's roster, they have Dennis Schroeder, and this is Dennis Schroeder's team. Say what you want about that. They've got Daniel Theiss. They've got some veteran players from the German Bundesliga uh, who will be very key players for this team and are going to get the ball in their hands a lot. Franz Wagner is there to do what he did with the Orlando Magic last year. He is there to find gaps, to, 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 get it, to spread the floor as a shooter, to play great defense, and, and to make plays when the ball comes to him. Um, perhaps Germany is holding some things back. They tend to do, uh, International teams tend to do that in these exhibition games, in these friendlies. Uh, but to me, what I want to see Franz Wagner do is that he is just supercharging the role that he had last year. Whatever his role is, I just want him to succeed in that role. And if Wednesday's game, an 84-80 victory over Belgium, is any indication, Franz Wagner is going to do exactly that. Wagner led Germany in scoring with 23 points, shot 7 for 13 from the floor, added 5 rebounds for good measure. Um, And just, again, just played exactly how he plays in Orlando for the Orlando Magic. Exactly how he played last year, except better. Except a little bit more decisive, a little bit more aggressive at times. Um, his defense was just on point. He was just solid in every aspect of the game. And like every game that we saw from the Orlando Magic this season, we left the game saying, why didn't Franz touch the ball a whole lot more? Why isn't Franz more involved in the offense? Why isn't Franz getting some pick and roll possessions? Why isn't he doing more? These are these are just the big things that we want to see from the Magic. We want to see him take that next step. Now, that next step may not necessarily be becoming the, the first star. He's got a, you know, Paolo, you know we, we all know how good Paolo is going to be, but we know that he can play this role. And, and the way that he played it for Germany on Wednesday, it showed the growth that we want to see. Again, just super, just super smart and aggressive, you know, picking his spots, just finding his gaps and, and finding his points. It, it doesn't matter what his usage rate is. If you get him the ball in scoring positions, he's going to find ways to score. If you leave an open space for him to cut to the basket, as long as someone can pass him the ball, he is going to score. He doesn't need the ball to be a a dominant figure in this in, in the game. Wagner started things off very, very quickly uh, with a steal and a fast break layup, um, which was a struggle for him last year, so it was good to see him do that. Um, he opened the second half with an and-one finish, just kind of coming around a curl screen on a, on a handoff, getting it, going straight to the basket, and finishing uh, finishing at the rim. 
Uh, and, and again, finishing at the rim is still a big area of concern for him. He had a couple of rough finishes against Belgium's size in this game as well. Um, and, and then the big thing, Dennis Schroeder got in the lane. Germany was up 81-80. to 80. Schroeder kicked, kicked it out to Wagner finally for an open three. He drained the shot. He, he's, just, he's just good. He's just really, really good. And again, Germany had a lot of stand, Franz standing in the corner, which is frustrating to watch as Magic fans because we know how good he can be. But Germany was better when Franz was on the floor. He, he, he kept the defense's attention. He attacked when he got the ball. He did everything you could ask for. Now, yes, there were a few turnovers. There were certainly some, some shots that he missed that he needs to make. But overall, for first game, for preseason game, for not preseason game, for a friendly game, um, you know, there's still a lot of work that Germany needs to do to accomplish the goals that they want to accomplish at Eurobasket. Germany is hosting Eurobasket this year. They are expected to get out of their group play. Um, their group uh, includes France uh, as well as Lithuania, who's a traditional power. Top four teams get out of the group. They should finish third in their. They should finish third or fourth in their group. I feel pretty comfortable about that. Um, but this is a team that wants to get deep into the knockout rounds. They haven't been to the quarterfinals of Eurobasket in quite some time. Um, they are they are a solid basketball program, but they are not a winning basketball program. Shooter's done a good. Dennis Shooter joining the team has done a good job boosting them a little bit, giving them a, a, a more dominant paint score, a more dominant ball handler. Um, but he tends to take over games, and that was kind of what happened in this game. He shot, shot a lot of free throws. There's a lot of fouling. A lot of turnovers, just a very, very sloppy game, which you would expect for a first friendly as the team's starting to come together. Um, but this is Schroeder's team. So as you're watching Germany play in Eurobasket and play in these games, do expect this to be the way it is. Do expect that Schroeder's going to get the majority of shots. He's going to over-dribble the ball. This is his team. And again, whether that's right or wrong is certainly something to debate. NBA fans would be like, well, why are it? trusting Schroeder isn't probably a good decision. FIBA Schroeder is a different different animal, but um, FIBA Schroeder is very good. They're not going to give Franz the ball and have him attack. And that, frankly, that's not Franz's game. So Germany's got to do what's best for their team um, to, to try and win these games. They do need a creator. I would say looking at this game, Germany should have won this game pretty easily. They were up 15 early on. They got sloppy with turnovers. They got sloppy with fouls. Belgium got hot from three. Um, you know, I thought Franz did a good job defensively overall, but Belgium did, did a really good job getting themselves back into the game. Germany had to rally to, to get to, to get the win. Um, Germany has some some rough edges to clean out. They're going to play the Netherlands on Friday in their next friendly. They do have a couple games coming up against Sweden and Lithuania um, in a couple weeks uh, for FIBA World Cup qualifying, and then that will bleed right into the into Eurobasket played at Germany at home for Germany. So a very big event. For Germany, we're going to cover it completely. This is this is a big deal that Franz Wagner is playing in this, so we will talk plenty more about it. But overall, first impressions of Franz Wagner: a, he looks a lot bigger. He looks like he's gained some muscle and really done taking care of his body well. And b, we saw him do everything that he did well in Orlando, and did it frankly better uh, in that setting. And I think that's that's really really impressive and a really good sign. And obviously, we'll see how he develops and grows the rest of the summer. Again, he, he he was not super involved in the offense. He still led the team in scoring in the end, made big plays for them in the fourth quarter, especially in the fourth quarter. He had, I think, seven points in the first in the first quarter. He had uh, at least another five, six, maybe seven points, maybe even more than that, in the fourth quarter. Big reason why Germany was able, the, honestly, might be the reason why Germany was eventually able to win this game. We're going to turn our attention back to the Orlando Magic, though. We saw something that's intriguing happen over the weekend. So now we're just going to talk a little bit about the teams that we're excited to face here in the coming season. We'll get to that coming up here in 
just a moment. But first, a quick word from our pals at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts they have you covered. I know they have the over-unders set right now for Paolo Bancaro's stat line coming in, I think, at 17.5 points per game. You want to bet that over? Want to bet that under? Go ahead. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, you know, our last episode, sorry I had to miss the last two days, just getting getting busy here. We're kind of on our summer schedule, so we're a little bit scaled back here schedule-wise um, as we get through the basketball desert that is known as August. Um, the other day, uh, you know, we had the big brouhaha with, uh, with, the, with DeJounte Murray um, and uh, Paolo Bencaro, and, you know, I think... We've had a few days to let things simmer down. You know, Paolo's off being cool and, you know, not doing and doing a whole lot. Um, don't know if he's playing at the crossover this weekend, but the crossover does resume this weekend. LeBron has hinted that he would like to play in Seattle, so we might see an early Paolo and LeBron uh, either team up or, uh, or or face off here, which would be very, very exciting. I'd be very, very down for that. Um, this is just to, just to see, you know, a, you know, to some extent, DeJounte's right. Paolo probably needs to be humbled a little bit because he's just having a really good summer where he's dominating, but... Um, that's not going to be the case the whole time. Uh, but look, over the last few days, NBA Twitter, not just Magic Twitter, NBA Twitter has just been like puzzled at what DeJounte Murray was doing and frankly siding with Paolo Bancaro. Everyone's just like, why is DeJounte Murray being like this? You know, whether, regard, you know, unless you, we don't know exactly what was said, so I, I want to give some benefit of the doubt, but DeJounte Murray seemed to go overboard. All of a sudden, though, it's kind of rekindled a little bit of a rivalry. It's rekindled a, a very, you know, kind of quiet, a little division rivalry between the Orlando Magic and the Atlanta Hawks. All of a sudden, the game that we all can't wait to see uh, when the season starts is Atlanta versus Orlando. And yes, Atlanta is a team that has greater aspirations than the Orlando Magic will have. Um, they are a team that believes that they can get back to the Eastern Conference Finals, get back to contention. In the East, I, I'm not sold that they're quite there yet, but they grabbed DeJounte Murray because they understood one of the failings of their season last year when they just barely scraped their way in the playoffs through the play-in tournament was they did have a secondary ball handler to ease things for Trey Young. Their defense was already abysmal. Their offense already incredible. DeJounte Murray will make their offense better 
uh, simply by giving Trey Young a little bit of a rest. Miami was just able to tire Trey Young out during their playoff series. They they were too Trey Young centric, and and that's why Dejounte Murray is now on the Atlanta Hawks. Um, but this is you know honestly the, the Magic and the Hawks have had such a quiet time. Like they've been in the same division now for a long time. They've only met in the playoffs twice. Um, the Magic nearly swept them in the '96 uh, second round. Uh, they swept them in the largest sweep in NBA playoff history by scoring margin uh, in the second round of the 2010 playoffs. Um, so the Magic have kind of had the Hawks number in playoff series. You know, the, the probably the spiciest little rivalry in this to in this uh, in this group to this point has been DJ Augustine torturing Trey Young when Trey Young was younger. Trey Young was never really thrilled about that, and DJ Augustine uh, just kind of laughed it all off because he's DJ Augustine and he's awesome. Um, Jonathan Isaac also has a rivalry with preventing John Collins from scoring. And uh, I know that John Jonathan Isaac is in on that joke because he has liked a tweet that I've sent making that joke. Um, but uh, but it's really kind of been kind of a quiet rivalry. And, you know, the Magic obviously are near the bottom of the standings. It, it, they're not going to compete. But DeJounte Murray and, and, uh, and Paolo Bancaro have added some intrigue to this game and added some intrigue. And fans are buzzing about this. Now, Obviously, that's some recency bias. That's everyone's talking about it now. So what other games are out there that we're looking forward to? What other games are we putting on our calendar and saying, I want to see that game today? I want to see that. I want to, uh, when, when the schedule comes out, whenever it comes out, it's probably going to be next week. Um, but if it's not next week, it'll be the week after. When the schedule comes out, what are the games we're going to be circling on our calendar? What are the, what are the matchups we're going to be go, going to look for right now? You know, we want to know when these games are. The Hawks are going to be near the top of that list. But honestly, the very top of that list, and the game that I would bet is most likely to end up on national TV, um, is Orlando versus Oklahoma City. Uh, No doubt, everyone was frustrated and probably a little bit upset that the Magic and that the Magic opted to sit Paolo Bancaro for that third third summer league game against Chet Holmgren and the Oklahoma City Thunder. That is a matchup everyone has wanted to see since Paolo and Duke beat Gonzaga in Vegas in November. And Paolo had a really strong game that night. He had a, a, a thirty, had twenty some odd points in thirty minutes. Um, really dominated the first half of that game until cramps really slowed him down uh, in the second half. So you know there, is, you know as as all as our guy JJ Jackson told us when we were doing our preview podcast before the draft. Um, Paolo beat up Gonzaga. He beat dude, he beat Gonzaga. He beat Chet Holmgren. Now Holmgren had a nice game too. Don't get me wrong there, but Paolo. I don't know how he could take Chet over Paolo when Paolo beat him up that bad. And look, this is a matchup that is made for TV. This is match. All three of these guys between Paolo, Chet, and Jabari, they're going to be compared together for at least the next five years. And 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 as we evaluate this draft and look back at this draft. The team that's going to win the draft is going to be the guy that that has the has the best player. And if Paolo's not the best player, you know it's going to be the Magic should have drafted Chet. The Magic should have drafted Jabari. How different would things be if they did that? Magic fans, as neurotic as we are, already were saying that stuff early on in summer league when Chet was playing really well. Until we saw Paolo finally hit the floor, and we're like, oh, okay, we get it now. Paolo's Paolo's pretty good. Um, but these three guys are going to be tied together forever. And, and that Orlando Oklahoma City matchup. I've actually joked with all my Thunder people that we'll see them in the finals one day. Um, these are two of the more exciting, young, interesting teams that have these sort of limitless futures. 
You look at Oklahoma City's roster, they got Shea Gilgis-Alexander. That's going to put them ahead of Orlando, at least on paper today, um, because they have that kind of established star potential player. But they've got a lot, like Orlando, they got a lot of interesting young guys, whether it's Trey Mann, whether it's Lugent Stork, whether it's Alexei Pokashevsky. Um, they've got they've got players who are intriguing and, and who and Josh Giddy I should I should definitely mention Josh Giddy in there. Um, they've got players who are interesting and 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 everyone wants to see how they come together and, and see how Chet fits into that group. The Magic are the same way. Um, they don't have you know kind of the advanced player that Shea is, and and so Oklahoma City might might be ready to turn a corner before Orlando is, but. We all have big expectations for Paolo. We love Franz. We love Jay- we, we love Jalen. We want to see Jalen continue to get better. You know, we love what we're seeing from our young guys. This is a really interesting matchup. Uh, and again, this is a matchup that I think is very, very likely to be be on uh, on national TV. Uh, whether it's a like ESPN game, whether it's certainly an NBA TV game, it'll be on national TV. But this is a game that I think will carry some national interest. Uh, and a game that, yes, I am looking forward to, too. We all want to see that matchup between Paolo and Chet. It is a fun little matchup, and so we'll we'll get to see it eventually. We'll get to see it twice, and, and it's definitely a game I'm looking forward to. We'll, add, we'll talk about some rivalry games and some measuring, measuring stick games that I'm also keeping an eye on here coming up in just a moment. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. When you think of magic rivalries, obviously you think of the Miami Heat first. And so so I want to say that, you know, obviously we, we, we mark down when the Heat are coming to town. We, we always mark that down. Um, it's usually the first game. It's usually the last game because the schedule is weird like that. Um, but there's obviously another rivalry that I think has been brewing under the surface. Magic fans have certainly felt it. Uh, I think Raptors, smart Raptors fans don't consider it a rivalry because they're smart. Uh, Raptors Twitter does. I'm still a bit confused by it, but for most of last season, anytime Magic fans had a conversation, you know, especially about their rookies, a Raptors fan might slide into those DMs and slide into that conversation and say, "We got Scotty. Scotty's better." And 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 like I think, I think a lot. I don't know why Scotty Barnes won Rookie of the Year. He deserved Rookie of the Year. He was a great pick, but the, but it felt like for a lot of the season, Raptors fans lorded Scotty Barnes over a specifically the Magic um, for some reason. And yes, some of it is the Magic celebrated when the Raptors got Scotty Barnes and, and and celebrated drafting Jalen Suggs like he was a huge pick. And, and, you know, honestly, all the draft conversation at the time was that Jalen Suggs would go in the top four, that this was a four-player draft. Scotty was a good player, but not a great player. Um, and so Magic fans really felt like they were gifted something. And again, I'm not ready to give up on Jalen Suggs. We've talked about him recently, some of his struggles and some of the areas where he's pretty strong. We'll see what he looks like when he gets back to camp. It's a long, long career. It's not enough to, to give up on anybody quite yet. But 
Raptors fans, you know, uh, at an early season game, chanted Scotty's better at Jalen Suggs. Uh, you know, we got a lot of that going on. And again, Scotty Barnes was a perfect fit for Toronto. Deserved rookie of the year. No one's lording that. No one's saying, no one in Orlando is complaining about the pick or complaining about anything. Uh, you know, if Scotty were there again, maybe they would take him. But at the end of the day, Toronto had the pick. Orlando didn't. Toronto made their pick and everything worked out for everybody. Yet this is still somehow a rivalry. And, and I think there is always going to be a little bit of that comparison um, as draft picks between these two players and these two teams. And certainly going to, going down later and drafting a guy like Franz Wagner, who had just as good of a season as Scotty Barnes, had a very good season. Scotty was doing it on a playoff team. His role was different. The guy, the attention that he was getting was different. Again, Scotty Barnes deserved rookie of the year. Franz Wagner deserved to be in the conversation as well. He's one of the three or four, be- three or four best rookies in this draft class, and and, and that's that's really saying something because it was an impressive draft cl- draft class between Cade, between Jalen Green, between Scotty, between Franz. It was a really, really, really impressive draft class. Um, between Evan Mobley, sorry, that's five guys now. Uh, between Giddy, who was also really good. So really good draft class, guys. Um, it's it's strange. And Orlando's history with Toronto goes back to, um, obviously there was the playoff series in 2019, Um you know, again, I think Orlando had a really good series, and Toronto was just a class better than them. Um, obviously, they won the championship that year. Uh, there was Kyle Lowry injuring Aaron Gordon in the bubble, and probably costing the Magic a, an outside chance at beating the Milwaukee Bucks because that Bucks team wasn't right in the bubble. And, and I think Orlando had a really good game plan for the Bucks in the, in the playoffs, and just did not have the personnel to execute it anywhere near the level that they needed to. Because it, you know, again, they just they they needed Aaron Gordon to at least be a hindrance to Giannis. Um, there is a little bit of friction between Magic fans and Raptors fans. There's no doubt about that. But the reason why I, I like pointing out the Raptors and why I'm going to point out the team, that the other game that I'm looking forward to, is the Raptors are very much a measuring stick for the team. Jeff Feldman obviously came from Toronto. So he and Masai Ujiri share pieces of their vision. They share pieces of what they believe is important for a team and in building a team and in building a championship team and a championship culture. So having said that, there's a lot of similarities between the way that the things that the Magic value and the things that the Raptors value and the way that those two teams are trying to build. The Raptors play a very please, aesthetically pleasing, share the ball style. There is no one dominant player. They have guys who can take you one-on-one, but their mode is ball movement. Their mode is defense. Their mode is using their length specifically, going with big lineups with OG Ananobi sometimes at the two, Pascal Siakam at the four, Scotty Barnes at the three using their length and their ability to switch and force turnovers to get out in transition, the Toronto Raptors are one of the best teams at running in transition. This is a model for who the Magic want to be. Don't get that wrong. If there's any envy or anything the Magic hate about the Raptors, it's only culturally because it's only culturally between the fans. This is a team the Magic should admire and aspire to be in a lot of ways because essentially Weltman is copying a lot of the blueprint that he built in Toronto. And obviously, personnel is different who you get, and, 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 and you can't ever copy a style completely. But the, the things that Toronto values are the things that Orlando values. And so I will be circling the games against the Raptors on my calendar. It's, it's, it's not only just a spicy rivalry between the fans, it's an interesting, it's an interesting measuring stick for the, for the Magic because the Raptors are a solid playoff team. The only thing that would prevent the Raptors from, going to the, from missing the playoffs is severe injury. And even then, they have proven that they can fill in and figure it out. They're not a championship team. I don't think they're a title contender unless Scotty Barnes goes to the stratosphere and Pascal Siakam 
uh, you know, continues get, continues to get better and gets back to, to where he was in 2019. Um, he was he was there by the end of last season. He had a really good, really strong finish of the season. Um, but this is a really just solid team, and again, just a base where the Magic are trying to get to. The other team that I would like to say is a model for Orlando is the Boston Celtics. I know I've talked a lot about the Boston Celtics. We talked a lot about them during the finals, but you look at what the Celtics did last year. Um, you know, obviously their personnel is different than Orlando. Jason Tatum is a really special player. There's certainly some comparison to make between Paolo and, and, and Jason Tatum. Uh, but what set Boston apart was how tied together they were defensively, their strong communication, and their ability to switch, which is the vogue defense in the NBA right now. The Celtics and the Heat led the league in switching defenses last year. Um, they switched more than any other teams in the league last year. Uh, and so... Uh, and so, uh, uh, it's a it's an interesting defensive style with all the versatility in the league and and, and all the three point shooting. Being able to switch to seamlessly allows you to defend the three point line, allows you to stop those three pointers, allows you to to, to force teams to go one on one to try and hunt for mismatches. And that's what Golden State did, and that's what Golden State did really really well. So you got to be able to to throw a change up and and throw teams off a little bit and have a strong defense without switching, but. Switching is the vogue. Having pl- having players who can guard one through five and just switching one through five, that's how teams are eliminating the space that all that, that that is going on around the league. And no one, frankly, did it better than Boston. You look at the games that the Magic played against the Celtics. Um, the early season game, it was a 92-79 game. Orlando could not figure out how to break through defensively. Cole Anthony was on a roll. They just switched him, and he couldn't break down Jalen Brown or break down Al Horford or break down Robert Williams off the dribble. He was unable to get in the paint, and and that's the lifeblood is dribble penetration. In the NBA right now, your ability to drive into the paint, to collapse the defense and kick out to three-point line, that is essentially every offense is just trying to figure out how to do that and and how to create uh, inventive ways to confuse defenses enough to to find those cracks and get get into the heart of the paint uh, more often. Um, no one did that better than Boston. They did it against Orlando. Again, Orlando struggled with that in the first game, got blown out in the second game. Every switching defense, Boston, Miami especially, Orlando's offense just went into the toilet. And you look at Summer League, you look at the way, at the things the Magic emphasized in Summer League. Again, they didn't have the personnel really to run the switching defense, but they ran a switching defense. They switched one through five almost the entire way through. They really focused on their backline rotations. If they do get beaten, pick and rolls when they're switching, but they were trying to switch, and they were really testing that out and learning its limits. And I think Orlando, with the personnel that they have, with Paolo, with Franz, with J.I., with uh, Wendell Carter, with Markel Fultz, with Jalen Suggs, those guys, with Chumo Kiki, those guys are very, with Mo Bamba even, those guys are very capable of guarding any position on the floor. They are going to switch a lot this season. And so they're going to, you know, again, looking for a measuring stick game. The Boston Celtics are the best team in the Eastern Conference. Um, you know they won. They 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 went to the finals. You know I don't I don't think they're quite the best team in the Eastern Conference, but they went to the finals last year. They are the class of the league. You want to measure yourself. You measure yourself against the best and see where you're at. And I, I hope that the Magic are able to execute and play a lot better against Boston this year. That will be a huge step forward. The other opponent that I'm circling is the Chicago Bulls, mostly because you know we still like Nikola Vucevic here at Locked On Magic, but also because we'll be watching the Chicago Bulls all season. Worth remembering. Orlando gets the Bulls picked this season uh, in the upcoming 2023 NBA Draft, top four protected. Um, I would say the Bulls are probably still a solid playoff team, but certainly could uh, certainly could be a team that that slips a little bit. 
Um, you know, again, like Toronto, I don't think their title contenders are just a solid playoff team. So we could be looking at a second lottery pick in what is looking like a very loaded 2023 draft. Obviously, we'll see as we get through the college season. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You, of course, find me on Twitter at omd. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Search your tune in Himway, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the fun places on the podcast to your podcast-enabled listening device. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. Now that you're done listening to us, be sure to check out the Locked On NBA podcast. They are still going strong, even through this NBA desert known as August. Check them out wherever you download podcasts to search for Locked On NBA. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily, Locked On Magic, this is Phil Frost and Wright. We'll see you again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.